Hey, uh, what's up, everybody? This is Akash Matthew from Seed Group. You're listening to the Seed Saga. The podcast is all about bringing the world of technology and business close at hand for the people. Every episode in our series is intended to leave you learning a new technology, a new business strategy, or an amazing journey of an entrepreneur. Today, we have Nick Hazel, the CEO at V2Food. V2Food is an Australian startup which is leading the way in plant-based meat. Let's learn more about this company, its history of success, and how it supports environment, animals, and society. Hi, Nick. It's our pleasure to have you on our Seed Saga series. Please tell us a nice. bit more about uh, yeah. and V2Food. <laughs> yeah, so V2Food, um, yeah, we're an Australian startup. Um, we've been going for about three and a half years. Um, and we have a very clear mission. Um, our mission is to is to figure out how we can um, slow down the growth in consumption of, of animal meat versus plant-based meats, which is what we do. Um, and the reason for that is that is that when you actually do the maths on animal meat consumption and you look at population growth and you look at our, our um, desire to eat more meat, which is, is pretty much a, a human condition, and you do the maths on that and you can you sort of you you think forward for the next sort of 10 or 20 years we have a crisis on our hands we will run out of land to grow the feedstock that we use to feed the animals that we like to eat um, and it's happening frighteningly fast so this is one of the major sustainability um, problems and it's the one that people don't really talk the most about people talk about energy and you know fossil fuels and but actually you know one of the biggest problems we're facing is how to actually feed a planet that's going to have 10 billion people on it um with the foods that we like to eat because the reality is that most humans like to eat meat and and the average human wants to eat more meat not less um so how are we going to do this and, and v2 food was founded three and a half years ago i founded it um in conjunction with the the csiro which is Australia's sort of leading science agency to, to try and solve this problem. And um, I can talk a little bit about how we're doing it, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a huge problem to solve. It's epic in its proportions. We're talking about building another meat industry, which is a multi-trillion dollar industry globally um, and doing it in a frighteningly short space of time because we really don't have much, uh, much time left to do it. Um, and so that's the sort of the beginning of our journey. It was about three and a half years ago. Actually, I know exactly when it was. It was the 17th of January, 2019, um, when we started V2 Food. Um, and the reason I remember the date is because that was the date that uh, a very influential um, scientific report was published called the, the Eat Lancet Report, which basically said, um, asked, answered the question, what, what should we be eating um, for our nutrition, this is the human population, but stay within the planetary boundaries. Um, and one of the answers was we should be eating no more than 14 grams of meat per day. And I don't know about you, but if I look at my recipe book, <laughs> I don't see any recipes that say take 14 grams of meat. So, so we better figure out how to make our meat from plants. Um, otherwise, we uh, we won't be able to live within the planetary boundaries. So uh, that's a bit of the story. Um, that's how we began. How we began uh, three and a half years ago. Um, 
Vito food, as we all know, offers a range of plant-based food. So what are those? Yeah, so V2 food is is currently um in Australia. We we um actually we weren't supposed to launch anything in retail um at this oh. stage of development. We were going to go into into food service and restaurants, but uh, COVID kind of changed our plans when all the restaurants in Australia closed and uh, we pivoted into retail. So what we do is we sell meat in food service. Um we began with uh, the Burger King franchise and we sell into the Burger Kings in this part of the world um, and into Asia pack. So we sell um, the, the whoppers, the, the plant-based whoppers in uh, five Asian um, countries and Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then in retail, we sell very standard items, really. It's, this is a pack of mints, which is a, a 400 gram pack of mints, which you use to cook your, spaghetti bolognese or your chili con carne or your or your kima or whatever you do with your mints we have sausages um beef pork uh lamb um we have chicken schnitzels chicken tenders um we're pretty much covering the 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 and we and of course we have burgers and um and uh we pretty much cover the the main sort of meat items that you'll find in a good Australian barbecue. Um, apart from a steak, we don't, we're not doing steak. And we make these out of um, essentially soy. Um, and uh, the difference with V2, I guess, and, and other plant-based meats is, of course, we're totally delicious, which, <laughs> to be honest, if you, if you sell a food that's not delicious, you, you will have a very short existence. So true, totally true. delicious um got to be affordable so we're the same price as meat mm -hmm. or we're cheaper currently at the moment meat prices are pretty high um and we're aspiring to be available so when you go into your supermarket and you you're looking for mints you will be able to find us as well and that's an alternative um that people increasingly are interested in and um, I've just been actually talking at a at a conference. I'm in New Zealand today, and I was talking at a at a conference. Um, and I always ask the same question to the audience. There are about 400 in the audience today. I always ask the question, um, "How many of you are vegan?" And um, in this part of the world, I don't don't normally get more than about one percent, and that's mm -hmm. about that's about what you get. Um, but I do ask the question, "How many people in the audience have tried to be a vegan or a vegetarian?" Mm -hmm. interestingly i always get about a third so that means that people have tried but they find it just too hard to maintain a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet and that means to me that um there's there's a problem there it's either too difficult to cook or people just like the taste of meat and they, they're not willing to give it up <laughs> yeah um but more interestingly I, I i also ask the question well how many people are reducing their meat intake and that's where it really gets interesting because I always get uh, two thirds of the audience, maybe even more. So okay. people are trying to meet. They know there's something wrong, but they can't be a vegan. And this is because of their culinary habits, what they like to eat, maybe the traditions of the, of the food they like to eat. But they do want to reduce meat. So what's the solution? And this is what we're proposing as V2 is, is you don't have to make a compromise. You don't have to become a vegan just substitute out a, a pack of mints 
for a pack of V2 or a burger for V2 or a chicken schnitzel for V2. It's the same stuff. It tastes the same or tastes maybe even better. You, it's good for you. And the main thing from our perspective is that it's it's hugely better for the planet. Um, mm-hmm. Our carbon footprint is is a small fraction of the carbon footprint of of, of meat. Um, we're about two kilos of carbon per kilo of meat. And mm-hmm. uh, last time I looked, beef, global beef carbon footprint was about 100 kilos of carbon wow. per kilo of meat. It does vary from country to country, but that's the the, the scientific papers say it's about 100 globally. Um, so that's a big difference. Um, and... To be honest, it's those sorts of real step changes are what we need if we're going to really change the game in in uh, sustainability on the planet. Okay. Yeah, now I'm curious about this. Uh, does plant-based meat have the same nutritional value as an animal meat? I think the answer is it depends. If you okay. design it to have the same nutritional value as animal meat, then yes. And... Um, but there are there are products out there that don't. But I mean, for us, it was a critical part of the research that we did was to ask the the nutritionists and the scientists at CSIRO, who are probably Australia's leading um, nutrition scientists, what should V two be? What how should we formulate so that we uh, have no negative nutrition consequences if you take meat off the plate and you replace it with V two? And so we formulated that. And, and for beef, for example, it means that we have to make sure that we have high levels of, of B12, that we need zinc, we need a good source of iron, that our protein needs to cover the whole range of amino acids and it needs to be bioavailable. Um, and so that's how we formulated it. So there's no, you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting because there's a debate about processed food versus non-processed food. And I kind of think, well, that's the wrong debate. It's about nutritious food or not non-nutritious food. And mm-hmm. uh, you can make food nutritious by design, and, and we've done that. Um, but there's an interesting extra thing that we do, which is obvious when you think about it. We're made from plants. So mm-hmm. we are a really good source of fiber. And fiber is the one thing, certainly in the Western diet, that we're missing. Uh, <laughs> no one eats their five fruit and veg a day and when the government in australia changed the guidelines from five to seven guess what we didn't start eating more vegetables or fruit um it stayed it stayed way too low we don't get anywhere near enough fiber in our diets and that's causing us enormous problems with obesity with um immune sicknesses um and so substituting with b2 we think is we may even have a positive benefit to nutrition Mm-hmm. Um, certainly know that we have a, a, a very interesting uh, effect on satiety. Um, and that's also a function of fiber. We believe that, um, you know, if you have foods rich in fiber, you you tend to feel fuller quicker. Um, yeah. It's not like you just reaching for the second, uh, second Big Mac 10 minutes <laughs> after eating the first, because <laughs> essentially your, your microbiome is, is shouting to your brain, where's my food? Because <laughs> yeah. it hasn't seen anything because none of the fiber actually reaches it. So, so we have a, an interesting side benefit that, um, that, that actually you get fuller um, and feel fuller for longer. And that's, that will have a positive impact on obesity. Okay. Okay. So um, what would you have to, what would have to take place for plant-based diets to reduce 
global hunger and poverty significantly? Do you think it will contribute to that? Uh, global hunger. Well, one of the problems is that if we carry on the way we're going at the moment, is there will really will not be enough food to feed mm -hmm. 10 billion people. Now, the reality is today there is more than enough food for everybody. Um, if you think about the, all of the agriculture in the food system, but the reality is, is, is that 70% of the food that we grow we give it to animals mm -hmm. and then those animals uh we feed with the with the grains and the and the legumes that we grow and then we eat the animals the trouble is the animal is really inefficient at converting the calories from the vegetables and the and the grains into meat the uh, beef is like um you know one kilo uh you need about uh 20 kilos of grain and legumes to make one kilo of beef and i can make two kilos of meat from one kilo of legumes so you know we're sort of 40 times more efficient um so what's going to happen is that when there's 10 billion people eating more and more meat we will run out of land so it's as i said earlier if you um either we we stop eating more meat which the science would tell us that's not going to happen. As we get wealthier, we eat more meat. That's a kind of a direct correlation. You see it in every single country um, on the planet. Or we figure out how to make meat more sustainably and more efficiently. And plant-based is the most efficient and the cheapest way of making meat. If you solve the technical problems around how do you make plant-based plant -based meat delicious um, and nutritious and, and cheap. Um, and those are the technical and economic problems that V2 is committed to solving. And we're, we're sort of three and a half years into the journey. There's a, there's a lot more to do, but we're just at that point where we think that um, it's becoming mainstream and that we're beginning to solve um, some of the problems. Okay. Yeah. Following up to that, uh, simulating the flavor is one of the most important or most challenging aspects of making plant-based meat. So what elements or techniques have you have uh, have you discovered that allows you to get closest to the original taste? Yeah, no, that's a great question. The the um the the flavor of meat is interesting actually. You think about it um and mm -hmm. you think about eating raw raw meat. Um it doesn't actually taste it very much. It's only when you cook meat that the magic really happens and and um, if you want to imagine eating a burger, and this is a dangerous thing to do because you're going to start feeling really hungry, but imagine a big sort of fat, juicy burger that's been delivered and it's, and, you know, you can smell that it's going to taste good even before there's a smell and then you sort of bite into it and there's a sort of a, a crusty surface and your teeth go through that and then it's sort of moist and fatty and it almost like squirts juicy sort of um, savoriness into your mouth and, it's uh, and then there's a long sort of fatty um, uh, sort of uh, roasted meat flavor that's in there. And, it you know, so no, I'm going to stop talking. Otherwise, uh, everyone's going to start ordering a, a burger. But um, understanding the chemistry, because it is chemistry of what happens when you cook meat is was a key part of what we do um, and imitating that chemistry. So we have this exactly the same sort of chemistry happens in our products as you have in, in meat and whether it's mm -hmm. beef or lamb or goat or pork there's different chemistries for the different meats um, and we we understand that and we use that in our in our product 
Um, but there's other parts of meat which which probably you don't want to think even too much about actually because it's about texture and you think about the texture of meat and then you realize that there isn't one texture there are lots of things going on and then that doesn't that makes sense actually if you think about it because there's lots of bits of the animal that goes into mince um there's some pretty chewy bits go in there and there's some sort of soft and squidgy bits that go in there and all of that is in the meat that you eat so so there is a technical problem to be solved how do you how do you mimic those sorts of um textures and structures and then you start getting into the whole juiciness and squirtiness if you like of of meat um uh so all of those are technical problems that need to be solved um and uh i don't think we're there yet but we're actually making huge strides and every six months we improve our recipe so that you really do get that sort of delicious um that delicious flavor impact when you when you eat our meat and the other thing that for us is important is that it kind of cooks in the same way because um in australia most of us only really know how to cook about seven seven to ten dishes that's kind of the average amount of dishes that people regularly cook and know how to cook uh, without following a recipe so we we can't ask people to learn to cook differently we want our meat to work in exactly the same way that they're used to um, cooking animal meat and so how it reacts in the pan and changes color and 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 sizzles and gives it gives off an aroma all of those cues is what you need when you cook meat so we have to make sure that we have the same um, performance when the average consumer cooks it okay it's not easy it's pretty complex it's 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 one of the yeah. most complex things that i've ever done as a as a food innovator to try and figure this out and and um there's a lot more to discover than we've discovered but we're we're getting there yeah true taste is very important the closer you are to the original meat uh, the most chances of success that a brand has or maybe that could be even the usb of a of a plant-based uh, meat company yeah okay. I think so i think it, it tastes tastes the way the, yeah it's like the meat that your your, your mother and your grandmother cook for you because <laughs> let's face it most of us still go to those those things that are you know our our parents and our grandparents taught us those are the comfort food that we like to eat so uh we've got a we've got to fit right in in that repertoire yeah okay okay so um so how important is traceability to your ecosystem and uh, do you have challenges trying to prove a plant-based origins uh, for your raw materials or sources or ingredients uh look i th I, th I wouldn't say traceability i think i think provenance is is the yeah. way that i would characterize it i think people do want to know where your food comes from i think that's a uh, that's mm -hmm. that's important they want to be able to trust it and depending which country you're in um you either what you want to be clearly from a particular place which is known for quality and we're mm -hmm. australian australia is one of the biggest meat exporters in the world and it stands for the best quality meat i think it's renowned around the world so we're quite happy that we're made in australia and we're known um to be australian um there are some countries where where you really wouldn't you know that people don't trust actually and um and so it's it's good to be able to tell the consumer where you're where you're from um and uh, whether or not you need to have uh 
consumer level traceability, i.e. you scan a, a code and, and then you can see where it was made. Um, it varies, I guess. There are some markets where that's important. Um, but for us, I think it's uh, we obviously know where all of our ingredients come from and we we can we can tell our consumers you can trust us. We know what's going in there and um, and the product is good, delicious, nutritious and uh, and is branded V2 and therefore you can trust it. OK. OK, uh, so thanks for all the answers, uh, Nick. Now, now we have the next segment of this podcast, which is rapid fire. So I'll ask you around seven questions and then you'll have to answer as quickly as possible. Uh, okay, shall we go? So what's your future vision for V2 Food? Uh, V2 will be a major part of the global meat supply and that's how we're going to be uh, sustainably feeding 10 billion people. Okay. So what has been your company's most significant achievement this year? Uh, I think it's becoming number one um, plant-based meat in Australia um, and continuing to, to really ramp up that growth. Amazing. Would you have any tips to offer someone considering beginning their own business? Uh, I think it's no good to get advice from me. I think the, the most valuable thing you have when you start a business is that you are naive and you don't mm -hmm. know how much hard work it is. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree to that. So what sets your company apart? That we're really focused on trying to deliver food and meat for people the way they are and not the way we would like them to be. We accept that we're, we're, um, we're human. We like meat. We don't make moral decisions about our lives. We just want to enjoy life. And our job is to make sure that um, people can do that uh, without harming the planet. Okay. What lessons have you learned? from your time at V2 Food so far? That you can achieve a lot more in a startup in three years than you can achieve in a whole career in big business. <laughs> okay. So what is now your top priority at V2 Food? Scale. We need to demonstrate that we can be a significant percentage of meat and we need to roll out globally as quickly as is human po humanly possible. We, we really do not have a lot of years to wait before we start really tackling climate change and sustainability. And uh, everyone in V2 is insanely driven to try and move as fast as is humanly possible to do that. Okay. And finally, one word for RC Saga. Could you one say word. that again? Uh, finally, one word for our Seed Saga podcast. Well, good luck. I love that you're reaching out and uh, good luck with your business. Good luck with your podcast. And I hope you have some really interesting conversations. Okay. Thanks, Nick. It was great to have you as our, as our guest. Uh, my pleasure. 